In John 18 this morning, we're going to begin reading in verse 33, and we'll stop reading in verse 38 this morning. John 18, verse 33, Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again, and called Jesus, and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it to thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priest have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end I was, was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate said unto him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, unto them, I find in him no fault at all. Leave off reading there in verse 38. On the night our Lord was betrayed, he was led by a multitude of Romans and Jews to face the Jewish, uh, Jewish religious leaders. They spent most of the night examining him, calling false witnesses against him. And in the early mornings of the hour, finally, he plainly and, uh, plainly and freely testified that he was Israel's Messiah and that he was the Son of God and they condemned him to death. But they had no legal right to put him to death. Rome had taken that right away from them, and so they brought him to Pilate in the early mornings of the of early morning hours and demanded that Pilate put him to death. When asked by Pilate for reasons why he should be put to death, Luke records that the Jews said in Luke 23, verse 2, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Of course, this statement was not true, not in the sense that they meant it. But Pilate was bound by Roman law to prove that they were not true. They have the accusation now, he has the accusation now, now he must prove that this is not true. That brings us to our text this morning. Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? This is the question that is before him. Jesus answered him, Sayest thou of this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? 
Thine own nation and chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Art thou the king of the Jews? All four Gospels record this conversation between Pilate and the Lord Jesus Christ. It is very critical. You know enough of the Gospels to know that Matthew might record something and John another thing and you put the two together to come to the sum of the matter. But in this case, all four of them record this account. For Pilate, the Roman governor, this accusation was the most important of the Jews' accusations. He has said that he is king. And of course there cannot be any other king but Caesar in a Roman nation. And yet when we study the Scriptures, we find out that the Lord Jesus Christ was called king by His own disciples. In John chapter 1, we read in verse 49 that when Nathanael met Jesus Christ, and Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. In the opening chapters of the Gospel of John, he is called the King of Israel. In John chapter 12, after three and a half years of ministry, as he is entering into Jerusalem just days before he will be crucified, there is a crowd that gathers. They cut down branches from the trees. And in John 12, in verse 12 through 15, we read, On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, that is, to the Passover, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet Him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Verse 14, And Jesus, when He had found a young ass, sat thereon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy King cometh sitting on an ass's colt. Twice in John chapter 12, once in John chapter 1, the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ declare that He is in fact and indeed the King of Israel. But that's not how the high priest meant it when they spoke to Pilate. In fact, the Old Testament declares that when the Lord Jesus Christ would come, that He would come as King. The Old Testament has declared Him as God's chosen King. In Psalm 2, in verse 6 of that psalm, God Himself says, Yet I have set My King upon My holy hill of Zion. It's a prophecy concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And a call in the next few verses of that psalm was that all the nations would bow before Him. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, we sing verse 6, and I want to add this morning verse 7 to it. Isaiah 9, verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. When God gave His only begotten Son, 
A child was born in Bethlehem's manger. It says of him, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the Ruler of Peace on earth. Of the increase of his government, verse 7 says, and peace, there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David, and upon his kingdom to order it, and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth forevermore. From henceforth even forever. And then the last verse, uh, statement in verse 7 says, the zeal of the Lord the host will perform this. The government will be upon His shoulders and of His government and of His kingdom there will be no end. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 and verse 7 says. The prophet Zechariah in Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9 look it up later, jot it down. Zechariah 9 verse 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt the foal of an ass. He is just, the just God, and he has salvation in his hand. When the king comes, he comes to bring salvation. Yet, in, light of, in spite of the fact that his own disciples called him king, in spite of the fact that the Old Testament says when he comes, he will come as king, bringing salvation with him. Yet, when some of the Jews wanted to make our Lord a king, he refused and would not allow it. In John chapter 6, and verse 15, the Scriptures record when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take Him by force to make Him a king. He departed again into the mountain Himself alone. John 6, verse 15. When they were coming to make Him king, make Him a physical king over the physical nation of Israel, He departed from them into a mountain alone and spent the night in prayer. The reason for that departing was that all the Old Testament prophecies referred to a spiritual kingdom, not a physical one. Neither the Jews nor the Jewish religious leaders nor the Romans understood that aspect of His ministry. We must never forget who the Lord Jesus Christ is, brethren. He is the Almighty God that we sang about just moments ago. Had He intended to establish a kingdom on earth when He came, it would have been no difficulty for an Almighty God to do so. Had He intended to establish an earthly kingdom seated in Israel, He would have done it. The Almighty would have done it. 
He does all things according to the purpose of his of his own will and has not only the, the right but the ability to do it. We must never forget that as we look and study the scriptures as to the purpose of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was never his plan to establish an earthly kingdom. It was always his plan based upon the prophecies of the Old Testament, to establish a spiritual kingdom. Our Lord's response to Pilate was, Sayest thou these things of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? When he asked that question to Pilate, he asked it so that, he, that, so that Pilate might know that Jesus Christ was no threat to the physical kingdom of Rome. Pilate had been lied to. He had no personal proof that Jesus Christ was seeking to overthrow the Roman government and establish for himself a physical kingdom on the earth. Neither the Jews nor the Romans had proof of that was going on. Pilate's response shows that neither he nor any other Roman had proof that Jesus had been seeking to overthrow the Roman government. Pilate's response was, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and chief priest have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Pilate lays all of the false accusations against Jesus Christ at the feet of the Jews. They had said that he had declared himself to be king in Israel. It was a false accusation. Pilate knew that because of envy they had delivered him up. Pilate knew there was no evidence of that going on in this man's life. Nothing was done in a secret, in a corner, in the darkness. All that Christ had done had been done openly in Israel. Pilate was governor there. They knew what was going on. But like all false religions before this one and all false religions after this one, they will lie and bring false accusations against those they seek to destroy. There is nothing righteous in false religion. There is nothing good in false religion. Well, at least he goes to church. Well, that depends on where he's going, doesn't it? whether that's a good thing or not. Because at least he goes to church if they're lying to him every Sunday is not a good thing. It is not a good thing to be lied to about the one true and living God. There is one thing else I want to bring out concerning Pilate's response. Thine own nation and the high priest have turned thee over to me, have accused you. And that is this, that the Jews' religious leaders should have known God's Word had prophesied of the coming Messiah who would be king. They should have known that Jesus Christ had come from God to fulfill the Old Testament promises concerning a king, to oversee a spiritual kingdom. They should have known that. 
They were the religious leaders of the day. But they did not know that. In John chapter 3, when Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night, and Jesus declares to him that a sinner must be born again in order to see and enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus doesn't understand and comes back and said, can I enter the second time into my mother's womb? He doesn't understand that truth. And in John chapter 3, verse 10, Jesus says to him, Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Have you mastered the Scriptures as a Pharisee must to be a Pharisee? Have you mastered the Scriptures and missed the point that you must be born again in order to enter the kingdom of God? Nicodemus, you're a Pharisee. You're a master teacher in Israel. Why don't you understand this most basic of spiritual truths that is revealed in the Old Testament? Jesus answered in verse 36, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Standing before Pilate, the Roman governor, standing before Pilate, who asked him, are you a king? Jesus plainly says, my kingdom is not of this world. I am in fact a king and I in fact have a kingdom. But it's not of this world. My kingdom, he says. My kingdom. Our Lord does not hesitate to speak of His kingdom nor to declare Himself to be a king. In verse uh, <coughs> 37, he, Jesus, uh, Pilate says, Are you a king then? And Jesus says, Thou sayest. The old English way of saying, Yes, I am. To this end was I born. The whole purpose of me coming is that I would be king. The king of Israel. But not the physical king of physical Israel. He did not hesitate to speak to Pilate whose accusation before him is if you're a king, we're going to put you to death because there is only one in Rome and that's Caesar. He opens his mouth and speaks plainly. My kingdom, he says. But the words that follow are critical for us to understand. And Pilate understood it as he went out and said, I find no fault in this man. My kingdom is not of this world. It did not originate out of this world. Its nature is not of the world. My kingdom originated in heaven. Its nature is spiritual. I, in fact, am king. I, in fact, have a kingdom. But it is not of this world. It is not of this world. 
has nothing to do with this world, has nothing to do with the nature of things in the world. There's a Roman kingdom that is ruling the world at this time. My kingdom has nothing to do with that kind of a kingdom. His kingdom is in the world, even as His people are in the world. But His kingdom is not of the world, even as His people are not of the world. In His kingdom, our Lord sits as ruler, king over all. But He does not sit as ruler over the world. In His kingdom, our Lord is king over all those who have been born again. Now it may be said as God He sits as ruler over the world. It may be said as God He sits as ruler over all, both saved and sinners. But in His kingdom, He sits enthroned, ruling over His people. We see this in the Old Testament as well as in the New. Go with me to Daniel chapter 2. Our Lord, I want to spend some time speaking of the kingdom of God as it is revealed to us in the Scriptures, both in the Old and the New. In Daniel chapter 2, in verses 45 and, uh, 44 and verse 45, we have some very, very clear statements made about the kingdom that was going to be set up in the days of the Lord Jesus Christ. Daniel sees a vision, if you know the book of Daniel. It is a vision that has gold and silver and brass and then iron and then the feet of iron and clay mixed together. This huge image revealed to him. Daniel explains the image to him as being different nations. And when he comes down to this time of the iron, which is the Roman nation, and the feet of clay and iron... Daniel adds in verse 44, in the days of these kings, speaking of the Roman Empire, you can read that in the previous text, in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up, raise up a kingdom. In the days of these kings, He shall raise up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. Alright, so there's a contrast. All of these other kingdoms will come and go, but this kingdom shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It's not going to be left in the hands of men. It is not the kingdom like yours, Nebuchadnezzar, where you raised it up with your army, like the kingdom that was raised up by the Greeks, the kingdom that was raised up by the Romans. It's not going to be like that. It's not going to be in the hands of men. This kingdom is not left to other people. But it shall break in pieces and consume all those or all these kingdoms. He's talking about those that Nebuchadnezzar has seen. And it shall stand forever. All the physical kingdoms of the world are going to be destroyed by this kingdom. Not physically though, but spiritually. For as much as thou sawest that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and it, this stone, break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, 
It destroyed all these physical nations. This stone did. What? Who is this stone? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And Daniel goes on. The great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain. And the interpretation thereof, sure. And so in these verses and others in the book of Daniel, we'll not take time to study Daniel this morning, but in these verses and others like it in Daniel, Daniel sees a kingdom coming, set up in the days of the Roman Roman. Uh, uh, governors, the Roman rule of the nations that breaks in pieces all the rest of the nations of the world. Now, that is either spiritual or it's physical. If it was physical, then all the nations of the world would be ruled by the Lord Jesus Christ today because this nation established in those days would stand forever. Christ would have defeated all the nations of the world and brought all of them in subjection to Himself. But if it is spiritual, as the Scriptures teach it is, then the physical ability of the nations of the world to rule the minds and hearts of the people of God is broken. And they are brought, being born again, into the kingdom of God and they live for the King of the Kingdom of God. They live for King Jesus. You realize, don't you, the first, Christ, first century Christians were burned at the stake and they were killed and they were thrown into the arena with hungry lions all because they would not say that Caesar was king. All they had to do was say, Caesar is king. And they said, no, Jesus is king. Read the stories. Go to the Fox's Book of Martyrs. Get a copy. It's expensive, but get a copy of Martyr's Mirror. Read the history of first century Christianity. The significance of the statement out of the mouth of Jesus, to this end I was born. I am king over my people, over my kingdom. I am king. Established in those days when Rome ruled the world, continuing to this day. And the nations of the world cannot stop the spread of the kingdom of God because Almighty God is behind it. They have tried from the days of Rome until this day to put an end to what Jesus Christ had established in the first century. They have tried their best efforts. They have killed millions of Christians. Blood has been flowed in the streets. And the blood of the martyrs has been the seed of the kingdom of God to sprout more followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord's kingdom includes all the elect both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Matthew in chapter 8 verse 11 Jesus says, I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. They're going to sit with them and talk with them and sup with them and fellowship with them. And in chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, verse 38 of that parable, 
Jesus says that the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The sower is the Lord Jesus Christ. The field is the world. And the good, good seed that prop, springs up all over the world, that is the children of the kingdom. From all over the world, from out of every nation, they will be drawn in into the kingdom of God. In order to see and enter the kingdom of God, a sinner must be born again. This was the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ when He came. Israel is a physical kingdom. They have charge of the spiritual kingdom of God. They are supposed to be spreading the gospel of the kingdom of God into the nations. They have not done so. They have established their own religion. They have denied the very Word of God and now they deny their Messiah. Jesus comes and says to Nicodemus, a man must be born again before he can see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus thinks he knows what the kingdom of God is. He thinks he understands what the kingdom of God is. He, Israel is the kingdom of God. But it is not. You can be born physically and enter that kingdom. But to enter this kingdom, you have to be born again. You have to be born again. And in John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus says to Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In verse 5, He says, if he's not born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. These are the necessary requirements for entering into the spiritual kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. To be part of the kingdom of God, a sinner must be born again. But also to be part of the kingdom of God, a sinner must repent and believe the gospel message. When Jesus Christ entered into His earthly ministry in Mark chapter 1 and verse 14 and 15. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. That's what He was preaching. And as he preached the gospel of the kingdom of God, what did he say? Verse 15 says that he says, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, and then he says, repent ye and believe the gospel. To enter into, to be part of the kingdom of God, a sinner repents and believes the gospel message. And when he does, God saves him and he translates him out of the kingdom of darkness and puts him into the kingdom of, the, of light, the kingdom of the Son of God. Paul writes about that in Colossians chapter 1. In addition, the spiritual aspect of the kingdom of God was taken away from the physical kingdom of Israel and given to the Gentile churches at the time that our Lord Jesus Christ was on the earth, He made this prophecy in Matthew 21, in verse 43. He says to the Jews, Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. I will take it because it's my kingdom and I have given it to you, but you have not done what you should do with it. I will take it and I will give it to my churches. And the responsibility for the spread of the kingdom and the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom is now the responsibility of the local churches from generation to generations as they took the gospel of the kingdom of God out nation by nation 
to declare Jesus Christ is not only a Savior, but also King in His kingdom. The Bible teaches that when our Lord returns at the end, He will deliver His kingdom to His Father. In 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, verses 24, 25, and 26, the Word of God declares, Then cometh the end, when He shall have delivered up the kingdom of, to God, even the Father, when He shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For He must reign, speaking of Jesus Christ, enthroned upon His throne, He must reign till He hath put all enemies under His feet. And in verse 26, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. As the Lord Jesus Christ ruling in His kingdom over all of His enemies. The Scriptures record in the book of the Revelation where the Scripture says, Hallelujah, the nations of the world have become the nations of our God. He rules. He takes authority. He destroys those who will not repent. And He saves those that repent and believe the Gospel message. He says to Pilate that day in John 18, My kingdom is not of this world. If it was, well then, my servants would have fought for me that I would not be delivered unto the Jews. If my kingdom were of this world, if its nature was worldly, if it had to do with the world, my servants would have risen up and they would not allow me to be delivered into the hands of the Jews. It is interesting to me that he says the hands of the Jews and not Rome. Interesting. I'm not sure what to make of that, but that's what he said. His servants did not fight to keep their king from being taken by the Jews and delivered over to the Romans. In addition, from the day of our Lord Jesus Christ until this day, the kingdom of heaven has not been expanded by force of arms, by Christians taking up arms, taking up a sword to defeat the nations. The kingdom of our God has been expanded by the force of God Himself. Zechariah prophesies of this in chapter 4 and verse 6. He says, God speaking through His prophet, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts has a power to expand His kingdom into the nations. Paul writing to the Corinthian church says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 3, 4, and 5, And I was with you in weakness, this is the Apostle Paul, and in fear, and in much trembling. Does that sound like a man going to battle? Actually, if you understand Christianity, it is. Is a man fearful and trembling and weak in himself, but who has a message to declare to sinners, knowing that it is not his power, not his wisdom, not his ability that will convert them, but the power of God. He goes on to say in verse 4, 
And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And the reason for that is found in verse 5. That, in order that, your faith should stand, not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's why I say often to people who say they're Christians and who maybe are doubting their salvation, the real question here is what has God done for you? So that your faith stands in the power of God, not in the wisdom and eloquence of a man, not in the fact that He draws you down and prays with you. Not that. Not that at all. Not that you're baptized. Not that. But what has God done for your soul? Has God saved you? Has God saved you? My kingdom is not of this world, Jesus said to Pilate. If it were, my servants would have risen up and fought. They would not have allowed me to be delivered to the Jews. But then he says, he says to them, in verse 37, Pilate says to him, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? John 18 and verse 37. And Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. The old English language here hides a little bit of the emphasis, the emphatic statement that was made by our Lord Jesus Christ. Basically what Jesus Christ said when Pilate said, Are you really a king then? Jesus said, Yes, I am. Thou sayest. The old English expression is, yes, you're right. I am. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on to explain and to open up. To this end was I born. Or to this end, yes, was I born. And for this cause came I into the world. That I should bear witness of the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. To the, the whole purpose of God in sending Jesus was that He might be king in His kingdom. Sent to save His people from their sins. Sent sent so that He might bring people out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of of light, the kingdom of the Son of God. Sent. You've heard preaching that says that He was sent to save His people from their sins, and it is true. Sent to save sinners from their sins, and it is true. To die at Calvary's cross to pay for their sins, and it is true. Buried, rose again, that He might justify them. That is true. But, there is more truth to it than that. And that is this. God sent Him to be king in His kingdom. A message that is missing from the pulpits today. Are you a king? Yes, I am. And in fact, that is the very reason why I was born. That is the very reason why I came. I was sent by my father. I was born of a virgin. I came into this world to be king in my kingdom. To this end, was I born. For this cause came I into the world. To the Jews, our Lord had declared Himself to be God's Messiah and the Son of God. Now standing before Pilate, our Lord declares Himself to be King over His own kingdom. 
What a testimony as he stands later in Timothy. Paul will write about this testimony that Jesus had before Pilate. Not only have I been born to this end, not only is that the cause of my coming, but also I am king that I should bear witness unto the truth. Now at first you may not be able to put the connection together between I am king in my kingdom and I bear witness to the truth. So what is this connection between the Lord's kingdom and His ministry of testifying of the truth? What is it? What is the connection? Well, it is simply this, brethren. His kingdom is founded upon truth. There has not been one earthly kingdom established on righteousness, righteous judgment, truth. Even Israel as a nation was established on the laws of God, but they had a mixture among them of those that worshipped idols, even when they came out of Egypt. There was a mixture. But not so the kingdom of God. His kingdom is founded upon truth. His gospel message in His kingdom is a message of truth from God. His kingdom work is the witnessing of God's truth to others. In the face of all the lies of the world, in the face of all the political lies, in the face of all the religious lies, comes a man preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and says, this is the truth as God has delivered it. Jesus Christ, the King of truth. Truth is the very foundation of everything that is truly spiritual. How many religious people have believed a lie, joined religions, and their whole religious experience based on lies? My wife and I are raised in a religion that lied to us. A religion founded upon lies. Some of you come out of religions founded upon lies. And you heard the truth. And when you heard the truth, it was the truth that gripped your heart and it was the truth that set you free from all that and brought you into the kingdom of God. Jesus has already said to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus adds, not only have I come to bear witness of the truth, but then adds, everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Everyone who has the God-given ability to see the kingdom of God, the God-given ability to hear and believe and receive truth, has been given that ability by God Himself. God has opened up blinded eyes and opened up deaf ears. God has opened up the heart so that it might receive the truth. That is declared from the Scriptures. They are of God, not of the world. 
They are Christians because God has made them Christians. God has justified them. God has declared them righteous when they believe in Jesus Christ. In John 8 and verse 47, our Lord has said, He that is of God heareth God's words. He that has God as the source of his religion, has God as the source of his salvation, has the ability to hear what God has to say. In John, 1 John 5 and verse 20, John writes, And we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. Pilate says on him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. What is truth? Pilate's famous question, what is truth? Reveals that he does not know the truth. And that he has no interest in knowing the answer to his own question. Pilate does not ask what is the truth. He just simply says what is truth. Jesus had said that His purpose is to reveal the truth. Had Pilate said what is the truth, Jesus would have said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But what is truth is not the bright question. Because every man has his own ideas about what is truth. The real question that needs to be asked is not what is truth, but what is the truth. And then you have to find the source for the truth to be able to discover what the truth is. And everyone who is of the truth hears the Lord's voice in the Word of God, which is the truth. Jesus has said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Little you that are here outside of Christ, are you, is there something in your heart that says, what is the truth? There are a thousand voices in this world crying out for my attention. What is the truth? My wife and I went from Catholicism to Mormonism and we were shown the way out of both of them but we found ourselves on the floor of the living room of our house a year before God would save me, praying, Lord, we know what is wrong, but we don't know what is true. What is the truth? A year later, God saved me when I was reading the Scriptures. The truth is Jesus Christ. If you want the truth, you come to Him. If you want God's salvation, you come to Him. If you want God's forgiveness, you come to Him. He is God's way back to God. Only one way. Only one truth. Only one who can give life. Jesus Christ. Child of God, we will spend the rest of our lives on this earth and I think perhaps an eternity discovering the truth. Because it's God. And He is infinite and we are finite. So let us pursue the truth. 
Seek to learn it. Let's pray. Father, may it please You to bless Your Word.